Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. Well, hello, hello. It is Christina. I'm running solo today without my lovely partner, Gail the Scott. Um, you know, we had some some unexpected things happen. So today I'm running solo with our guest, and I'm so excited. This is our Moxie partner, longtime Moxie partner. And um, we're we're just gonna have so much fun together because we are both Enneagram sevens. And so this <laughs> this ought to be wild, wild, wild. So if you feel a like uh, you're on a wild ride, just enjoy it. Just sit back and enjoy it because that's that's the essence of what we're going to be talking about too today. So um, we have back in the studio Jen Whitmore, um, and she is a speaker, an Enneagram leadership specialist coach, and also a joy bringer. Let me just tell you, this girl knows how to bring some joy. She's got this fabulous red lipstick on today, so um, she's totally sparkling it up, and I love it. So Jen... Welcome. Thank welcome. You. I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> well, I'm excited that you're here too. And, you know, today we're going to be talking about conflict during the holidays. And, um, you know, I feel like people get really caught up <laughs> in, in the holidays, you know, with their own, you know, whatever's going on, whether it's work um, whether it's home life or whether it's like preparing for the extended family trip where you have to go and see the in-laws or, you know, the, the cousin or the whoever, you know, the aunt and the uncle that you're like, oh, do I really have to go? You know? <laughs> so, um, so we're going to be talking about all of these, all of these different, um, areas today. And, and I think that we're going to start with work and, before we start, just give them a little background of who you be and yeah, you know what you bring to the table, so people know you just a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad to be here and missing our friend Gail Scott. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, so I, as Christina said, am a speaker and a coach, and I really love helping people solve conflict and create a more whole life that is flourishing and full of the things that we love without avoiding the things that come our way because life is life. And so I started my career as an educator and then moved into speaking and coaching about five years ago. And I'm a certified Enneagram coach and help leaders around the world make their lives better and their teams better. So that's who I am. Wow. Well, there's some there's some experience uh, about <laughs> conf a conflict resolution. So um, we're just going to jump right in with your expertise. So, you know, a couple of things that end up happening during the holidays is um, really trying to figure out the work, mm. you know, work-life balance type thing. We always hear about that. Um, and so let's just dive in. What is like one thing that you hear all the time from maybe clients or just, uh, you know, friends that you, you know, are meeting up with? What does what that what does that conversation look like about work and how they how they show up in it? Yeah. So when we're talking about the holiday season, which in the Western world is pretty much like mid-November through the end of the year, like we've got these six weeks of intensity. And the mm. thing I hear clients experience, and I, I myself as a mom of four, married 25 years, I've got an extended family that is a huge, large, <laughs> loud Italian Catholic family, you know, like I, I, oh, I'm yeah. experiencing it with you, um, is that the buffers are gone. Like, because there's so much demand, we don't have as much of a buffer to cope with things we might normally be okay with letting them roll off our back or, um, 
being able to address with a little bit more emotional regulation and centeredness. It's like all those buffers are gone because of the expectations that are suddenly upon us during this holiday season. And some of it is things we put on ourselves. Mm. I must do the cookies in this way. I must send the letters in this way. We have to keep this tradition. Some of those are things, let's be honest, ladies, we put on ourselves. No one else is asking us for them. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And some of them are not things we're putting on ourselves. Some of them are, you have to have your Q1 plans in by December 15th, or you have to have your numbers updated by the end of the month, whatever it is. Some of those are expectations that are not within our control. Um, And and let's just pause there because what if you're Mm self-employed, right? You know, and and you're an entrepreneur, a business owner, and those expectations are not just for you, but also for the team that you carry, right? Exactly. So it's like, I've got to get the plan in place because that new year is coming up, but yet I've got to do all these other 50 million things as well. Like we've got to take into account those things as well, right? Absolutely. absolutely. So all of those things mean that the buffers are lower. And and I like to think of leadership as a reservoir. And so we start Mm. with self-leadership. And so you have to be able to gather your own self. You have to be able to pour into your own self. That then flows out into your employees and your culture, your team, your family, whomever is in your sphere of influence. And the holidays tend to make that reservoir a little bit lower. And so Mm. just knowing that, first of all, is you're not crazy. Like this is Mm -hmm. a, a high demand time. The thing that you have to, that we really struggle with sometimes is thinking then, well, it's a high demand time. So I have to meet all the demands rather than this is a high demand time. I might need to adjust my expectations. And so at work Mm. that can look like people ask off a lot, you know, like you've got team members that are, I I have my kids got a concert at 10 AM, you know, because that's when the party is or what, you know, like things like that, or you want to take off for that. And, um, and so the best thing at work is to really, when we're talking about expectations, they are spoken, they are reasonable and resourced, and they are agreed upon. So you have to speak them out loud. You can't just randomly say I'm leaving unless you've got a company culture that you can take off for no reason and nobody cares, which there are places like that. But most places you have to communicate. Here's when I want to go. You want some flexibility. Right. Um, and so just sharing those like, hey, I, I would really like to have this done. I'd like to be gone for this. I have these things in place and ask for so, for that. So so go back again really really quick. Mm-hmm. Spoken, reasonable re- reasonable in resource mm-hmm. and what was that last one? Agreed upon. Agreed upon. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, as you're as you're sitting here and you're talking, I reflect back to uh Thanksgiving. <laughs> and you know, we we own and operate a lot of different businesses. And and one of our businesses is landscape construction. And um, my husband last year, I had to remind him of this, but last <laughs> year he was like, you know, I, I let people come in the day after Thanksgiving to work. And I, and, and I said, oh, okay. So we let them come in. Nobody came in, nobody showed up. So he had to rearrange everything because it was the day after Thanksgiving. <laughs> People were still in family mode. People were still wanting to do, you know, Black Friday shopping, all this other stuff. And so I reminded him, Jen, mm-hmm. this this year, I said, um, hey, so are you having some people work <laughs> after Thanksgiving, the day after Thanksgiving? He's all, yeah, actually, everybody, you know, wanted to work. And I said, mm, you know, let's reflect back <laughs> last year. Yeah. And let's reflect at how upset you got (laughs) because people didn't show up. So is this kind of one of those things uh, about even in reflection, Mm -hmm. what you did before might not be what you do again? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and adjusting those expectations, right? Absolutely. And so we can learn from things like that where... You know, last year we did, so as an educator, one of my jobs leading a school was um, helping coordinate the schedule for the year. So like the school Mm. calendar, Yeah. Uh, you know, and so like, hey, we had concert, open house, something else, something else, like three or four nights in a row last year. And this happened to be 
in the beginning of the year, not the holidays, but still same concept. And yeah, and yeah. we got a lot of feedback that, that was too much. Like it was too much nights away. And even though each event was important, so how can we stretch this out? What can we do from the feedback that we received, but still meet the expectation of these events are important. How do we help people attend them? And get the information that they need because part of it was community building, part of it was information sharing. You know, what are your purposes, and how yeah. can we meet those purposes in a different way if it didn't work before? And awesome. so, when you're thinking about the holidays, you know, like, do we actually have to have this all done before December 21st or December 23rd <laughs> or whatever day you think, or right. could it possibly be finished by January 3rd? That allows the people who are like, no, I want to take off. And the, uh, you know, like I am not thinking about work the entire time I'm not working. And for other people to say, great, I can get some of these things done. I want for my family now, or some of the other work work that I want to get finished. And it changes the expectation for me and it gives some flexibility to people. But again, you have to say that out loud and people have to agree to it. And that allows some people to say, if I get it done early, is that a problem? No. <laughs> and that right. starts of that's how you start to resolve conflict before the conflict really happens. Well, and in work, I think that if like you said, if it's spoken, it's reasonable and resource and it's agreed upon. Mm-hmm. That each employee, if you're a, a 9 to 5, right? Each employee might have a little bit of a, a little bit of, dif- of a different schedule. Some people might have children mm-hmm. and they might need to go to all these concerts or you know, family gatherings, things of that nature. And some people might be single and they're like, I don't have to do anything until the day of Christmas and New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. Like I'm good. Mm -hmm. So I really love that there is um, an opportunity for there to be some flexibility as a seven, yeah, you know, I love, I love, love options, of, people. <laughs> <laughs> I love a little flexibility in yeah. this, uh, in this arena. Cause it does, it offers even that nine to five or a little bit of flexibility to say, Hey, like these are my needs. And can you feel that as of right now? And if not, how do we work around that? So let's just say somebody says, you know, you gotta, you got a hard ass for a boss mm-hmm. and they're like, sorry, I need everything done. You know, what what do you say to those yeah. people? Yeah. I think depending on your relationship with your with your leader. I mean that this is kind of hard. But if we're imagining somebody who's like, "No, it all has to be done and let's just for the sake of this hypothetical say, it's not completely unreasonable." Like it's not mm-hmm. insane. They're not asking yeah. you to work after hours. They're not asking you to put an extra time, but yes. it is like, yes. okay, in within the bounds of your role, um, then you have to say, okay, well, how can I complete that? Is there a negotiation? Can I go and say, mm-hmm. hey, I is there a possibility for me to do this specifically by this other date because I have some other commitments outside of work? You can go mm-hmm. back with, you don't even have to share what they are, but just like I have yeah. commitments um, that are outside of this role that can I do that? If not, you have to go to your family and say, hey, I know that we've done this. This is actually something I have to do. And I'm disappointed about it as well what can we do to meet our goals differently? Mm. And that may may mean changing how you did it. So this year we have two kids who are gone. So we have four kids total. We have two that aren't home and we've always decorated the Christmas tree kind of this past weekend or the weekend coming up. And I'm going to be out of town next weekend. So it was like, okay, this was the weekend. And our middle, one of our middle children who is still here didn't realize that she's like, I thought we were decorating at this time. And and she got really upset and we were like, but she had to babysit. She had a commitment. She was not leaving these babysitter people in the lurch. She wasn't doing that. And and so we shifted. We're like, we can wait till you get back. Like, but we didn't decide that. And we're like, there's really no reason for us to do it now. Let's do it with her. So we can adjust around that to meet our goals, which was be together as a family. The tree didn't actually need to be decorated you know, Saturday afternoon. It was fine that we did it Saturday night. Right. You know, that kind of thing. You can adjust. And I like how you're flexing now into the role of what happens at home. Yeah. Right. So, so we have this, um, and I want to, before we go there, I want to just say this is if you have a, a, a leader that you have to go to, you know, please don't overshare. You don't have to overshare. Don't have to overshare. There's overshare. no need to do that. Mm-hmm. 
You know, and, and I love that you said that because sometimes people overshare and it's like, <laughs> in the eyes of that other person, it's not important. Right. So keep it but, back to that point. Let's keep it about what are the goals? Why Why did yeah. that deadline exist? Here's yeah. how I still think I can meet those goals in a different mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Um, and if not, you know, you have to sometimes go with it and then kind of chalk that up. You might come back in January and say, hey, I'd really love to talk about that. Um, yeah. And why that goal was so important to you. It didn't, I didn't understand why that needed to be done. I thought it could be done a different way. Can we talk about right. that? You know, those are all options to come back later. Um, right. Because conflicts aren't always done in one conversation. Rarely, oh. rarely <laughs> in one conversation. <laughs> so you can, you can come back and revisit. But yeah, when you have that conversation, you just need to say, I'm, my priorities, I have lots of different priorities. Here's how I think I could meet your goals within mm. this time frame. Does that work for you? Then it I be- love that languaging. Say that again. That languaging was great. Uh, I have lots of commitments and priorities. Here's how I think I can meet this priority that you have for this goal within this time frame. Is that okay? Like, is that acceptable to you? Because you're asking for a change. And sometimes people, when you phrase it that way, they're like, they realize, oh, it's not as important. We don't have to have that in mm. actually at that day. That was the buffer timeline. And you, yes, that's actually fine. You know, other people are like, no, it really has to have happened because this is the chain of events that if we don't have this, then X, Y, and Z can't happen. Like that happens yeah. sometimes. And you didn't know that before uh, because they didn't tell mm-hmm. you all the details, which is totally fine as well. And But when you come with a plan, um, oftentimes people are like, oh, yeah, that could work. Let's do that. Because they hadn't thought of it because they don't have your priorities. And so that's the negotiation right. aspect. You know, I, I I love that because one of the things that um, that I do for myself, being self-employed, you know, being a business owner, I have to ask myself that question when I make a list of, you know, 50 million things that I want to mm-hmm. have done before the new year. And it's like, is this is this the goal that I need to to set or meet right yeah. now? Yeah. Or is this something that needs to be set and met in the future? Yeah. You know, and so so that's a, that that question or that the phrasing was really important um in, in how they operate, whether you're employed by somebody or mm-hmm. whether you're, you know, on your own and you're trying to shift through your stuff. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I want to go back to the family crossover. You know, you said if the work goal, right? So if the work goal is like a non-negotiable, they're like, I'm sorry, this has to be done because if this isn't done, um, then this thing doesn't get rolled out and we have to have it rolled out by, you know, January 1, let's just say. Mm-hmm. So now you've got to go to your family. Yeah. And now we're embarking on the home. Yeah. And we're asking our family members who might be a little rigid. <laughs> I mean, more so than our employer. Because traditions matter so much. Yes. And especially at this yes. time of the year, it becomes, I mean, especially, you know, like Aunt Diva is like, what do you mean you can't come? We do this every year. And, and. I actually do have an Aunt Diva. Um, that who, is hilarious. Who lives up to her name? <laughs> um, anyway, but the that that way of doing things is so ingrained, and sometimes it's so challenging when this happens. But sometimes you do have to miss something, and mm. it's really it's really hard. I had an event that was scheduled months in advance, and I had to miss my daughter's first choir concert of the year. Mm. Now mm. she's a junior in high school. I have su- seen her sing a lot, of course. You know, like I get it, but also I was really sad about that. So there's a little bit of grief to walk through. So don't ignore it and be like, "It's fine, it's fine, it's no big deal." Like, why are you upset about this? It's much better to be like, I'm upset about this too, but this part is out of my control. What is in my control is X, Y, or Z. Same kind of idea. Here's another plan. And sometimes just like the work can't shift if something's launching January 1st, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the family can't, I mean, people have booked plane tickets or they're coming in from out of town and they can't shift everything just for you. Um, That doesn't mean they don't care about you. It also likewise means doesn't mean you don't care about them. And so sometimes it is a FaceTime in, or sometimes it is, um, I'm going to come in at a different time. I won't see everybody. 
but I'll get to see this group of people and, and those types of things happen, or we're going to change the tradition for this year. And one thing just to be aware of is if you're constantly sacrificing your family for work, that's something to look at. Mm. But if it's this idea of, I tried to make this shift and I can't, I can't make it. Um, what could we do instead? Grieve that recognize that it's hurting you and others and then problem solve because good conflict resolution is always problem solving. Always, always, always. That's where we're going. Love that. You know, uh, one of the things that I had happened to me and, uh, this was years ago. My son was in dance. Like he, you know, loved to dance. And um, I had a conference and I couldn't, you know, the conference was set and I knew I was going to the conference. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we got this notice from, you know, his dance class and they're, oh, well, we're going to this. Well, I already made plans. Uh-huh. So I couldn't miss it. And I had to figure out a way to still have an opportunity to be there mm-hmm. in in um, in a different capacity, if that makes sense. Yeah. So we came up with a solution. And the solution was, you know, mom can come. Um, I think it was like one day. Yeah. Mom can come one day. And then the rest of the time, like when we're driving home, I want you to tell me all about it. Mm-hmm. I want you to walk me through your favorite part. I want you to record it. I want, you know, we're going to sit down and we're going to watch it together and you're going to tell me your favorite parts. And it was because I wanted him to still feel important. And I still wanted to, as you were saying, I wanted to grieve that that that, that part of it, yeah. but also have something to look forward to. Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah. And, and, you know, we have to be outside of the box thinkers, right? Mm-hmm. So so give us some of those outside of the box ideas when it comes to our family. I loved what you said about the FaceTime, mm-hmm. you know, hey, maybe we do a FaceTime because I can't get across town to see, you know, just one person. What other things can, can people do? I think the biggest thing is I, before we get into like actual tactics is to roll back, like, what are my values and goals here? Mm. Is the value of this gathering, you know, what is the value of this gathering and why do I go? Do I go because I want to connect with people? Do I go because I like the food? Do I go because I want to have fun? Like, what are, what are the values of this gathering? So my family, uh, for years, does this huge Delario family Christmas. It's this big, like it's lasagna and shrimp and all the things. And um, for years we did gifts. Well, then it was like, there's 40 people. And we're like trying to figure out how to exchange gifts among 40 people. And we had to revisit why are we getting together? Because our family had changed. It wasn't just mm. the four siblings and their, their nine, 10 young kids. It was now older kids and their um, significant others and now their children. And it just became too much. So sometimes when that resistance happens, it's actually because something has changed and you need to figure out, oh, do we need to change? The getting Mm. together has not changed, but how we get together has changed. And because the value was connection and, and relationship. So what does that look like? And so go back to your value and the purpose of the event. If the purpose of like, we used to take our girls all the time, actually all our kids to see the Nutcracker every year. I loved the Nutcracker. You know, we have three dancers of our four kids, three of them dance. And um, so we would take them and then, you know, COVID happened or we couldn't get tickets one year or things like that. And we're like, well, what's the purpose of that is to show them for us, we loved the dancing, we love live performance. So what are other ways we can watch the Nutcracker as like this classic story that is great for dancers to know? Well, there's tons of videos. Like you can watch that. Well, if we want to see live performance, what's another way we can meet that need? And it was live performance experiencing something together. Okay, well, what does that look like? And so you start to come up with other ideas based on the why, not just, Mm. oh, we have to keep this tradition. And not everybody will necessarily agree with you. And that's what's really challenging. And so Mm. here's my advice for, especially if you are newly married, (laughs) (laughs) or newly on your own, um, develop the concept of we. So my my husband's name is Michael. And when we decided that we were not going to go home for Thanksgiving, the first year we moved out of our hometown where everybody gathers together, 
we decided we were going to host uh, Thanksgiving at friends that didn't have family in town either, because that's what we oh, had decided beautiful. and communicated yeah. that to our families. He communicated to his, I, I communicated to mine, but it was still a language of we. We decided. Do not fall into the trap of, well, his family has to do blah, 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 blah. So that's why I can't even come. That is just going to undermine all your relationships, your relationships with your extended family, the relationships with your spouse. Your children will hear that and then start to wonder about your relationship with them. Am I just not important? Are they going to throw me under the bus? How you talk about that is really important. So the power of we, once you make that decision, is is vital to maintaining good, healthy boundaries within the difference between your close, your immediate family and your extended family. Well, I love that. The power of we, that is, that is brilliant. You know, one of the things that my husband and I keep coming back to is what are we (laughs) going to do for Christmas? Cause our, our children are adults. Mm -hmm. They're grown up and you know, they're, they're off doing their own thing. And you know, I have two nieces and my mom, but it's like, I see them all the time. Like, what are we going to do? And so we've kind of come up with a concept that we'd like to do ex- an experience Oh yeah, I- instead. And so what does that look like? Or giving, mm-hmm. you know, going out and doing some philanthropy work, you know, during that, during sure. that time. What does that look like? And so now we're kind of dialing that in and saying, okay, well, who do we want to give to? Um, you know, who wants to participate in that? Because, you know, here's here's the other thing. As I, I said to my mom, so mom, we were thinking about doing, not giving gifts this year and instead giving to a philanthropy, whether it's the kids or homeless or you know, whatever. And she goes, Oh, well, that's good for you. You guys should do that. And I thought, oh, okay, she's not on board. (laughs) She is not on board. But she was Um, also like, that's great for you. Like mm -hmm. the expectation was there of like, I'm probably still going to give you gifts, but I won't expect any from you. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. And and I thought, okay, well, I, I know, I know where I stand there, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's a that's a really good concept. I love that concept of we. And um, how hard is it for us to remember that, though? It is, and and so that's where like the nitty gritty of conflict resolution comes in because mm-hmm. that means that we concept presupposes that you have come to an agreement. And mm. so this is important in the workplace. This is important in friendships, in partnerships and spouses, like coming to an agreement. There is a, a lot of power in disagree and commit. Like mm. this isn't what I want to do, but I've decided that this is better for us as a, as a, a mm. two or a team or, or whatever, even though this wasn't what I I would disagree, but I can commit to this because I see how this is what the team wants to do or team needs to do Mm. or husband needs to do or whatever. And so having that, again, that problem solving posture of here, we're together and the problem is we can't go to this thing. So how do we solve that problem? Or whatever the problem is, it's not between the two of you. You're the team solving the problem and the problem is out there. So having that type of problem solving posture gets you to a solution that you're like, it's not my favorite solution, but I can agree to that solution because I think it's better for us as a team. Or you come to an agreement where like, yeah, this is really what we want to do. And again, back to that concept that it might not be one conversation. It may be over time that you have to, that you have that conversation to get to the commitment. It's definitely been over time for us, like (laughs) a a time period of three years, because I'm one of those people is like, oh, do we really need to do all this? And, (laughs) you know, he's the type that's like, yes, we do. And um, now he's coming around to, well, maybe we don't need to do all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. We can just take parts of this stuff. Yes. And so it, it's more of a we now as far as our household, yeah. um, which is really, really, really nice. So yeah. um, so t- talk about, I, I kind of want to go back a little bit to the buffers. Well, what do you mean by the buffers? Because yeah. um, I, I know some people will be like, well, 
what does that mean? And Mm -hmm. how can I put them in? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So when I'm talking about buffers, I, in general, I'm talking about you living in a, in a healthy, holistic way, meaning you get enough sleep, you have Mm. reasonable expectations on your time, you um, are having some movement every day for yourself, you are having rest every week and every day, you're like, all of these things are functioning really well. Those create that reservoir that's really high that pours out goodness into the people around you. When we have all these extra expectations, you know, it's not, it's like once a year, I make 500 cookies on a Saturday. That doesn't happen any other time during the year, unless there's a wedding. Like, like what yeah. is that? <laughs> uh, and so knowing that that's coming, I have to adjust my expectations and I have to adjust for, well, what else has happened? I can't do all the other things that I normally do that Saturday and still have that full reservoir. So um, Mm. sometimes we still try to do that. So there's all these demands from all these places. Your kids are sending you messages. I found this thing I want for Christmas, you know, and Mm -hmm. oh, wait a second, this bill came in. I wasn't expecting. And how am I going to pay for that thing for Christmas? And then my boss is saying, hey, we're upping the timeline to get this going. You know, all of these things are draining that reservoir. Yeah. And so you only have two options. You can continue to fill up the reservoir And if you don't have time for that, you have to adjust expectations. And that's what I mean by the buffer. Um, And so a lot of times we don't have the emotional capacity to have conversations that we might like to have. So you're, you know, chowing down at my family's Thanksgiving, it would be lasagna. Uh, You know, other people, it's turkey or ham or whatever. You know, you're chowing down at your family's holiday and somebody starts spouting off an opinion that you disagree with. And you have to decide, do I have the emotional capacity to engage in this in a way that leaves everybody whole at the end, even if we disagree? And if you don't, you probably shouldn't engage in that. Now, I've got my own little filter of things that I'm going to engage in or not. Like if it's dehumanizing to somebody in the room, if it's dehumanizing to somebody that I care about, uh, like those things I'm going to engage in regardless. But other than that, Like if you're just exhausted because you drove all night and you wrapped presents too late and you made the the potatoes that everybody loves and you're the only one who can bring them, you know, all those things that happen with families, you're tired, you're all emotionally worked up. So your regulation is off. And then somebody starts disagreeing with you. You're already worked up even with happy things. And then something that triggers you can be, the trigger is so short. It's so short. There isn't this long fuse anymore. You don't have that buffer of the long fuse. So that's what I'm talking about. Like decide, can I manage this expectation Mm. or do I need to just disengage from that? And that's okay. You don't need to have the super deep conversations at every family gathering. So so let's just say... (laughs) Oh, where's this going, Christina? Where's this going? (laughs) Well, let's just say you decide I'm going to engage anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, And uh, you're just totally not equipped (laughs) to do it. Yeah. You get in and you realize, wait, I'm over my head. Is that what you're saying? Yes. So, so, so talk to that. To that person. You yeah, know, absolutely. What is the best way to de-engage yourself to, uh, after you have recognized, yeah. you know, I just walked in some poop and yeah. I don't really need to be there and I need to bow out yeah. and table this. What's that, what's that conversation absolutely. look like? I mean, if it's in a group of people, and sure. you're the, not the only one involved in the conversation. That's what's great about large gatherings. You can kind of just flitter away, you know, so that, <laughs> that is an option. Um, walk away. Just you know, if you've away. got lots of people, but if you're all sitting around the table, you, that's hard. Like you can't yeah. just leave the table. Um, you know, if there's 12 people, you, suddenly you just leave. That looks really obvious. But if you've gotten <laughs> yourself into that and you can't, it, there isn't a, graceful exit, it's Mm. really good to just admit that you're like, gosh, you know what? We are really deep in this conversation and I just don't feel equipped to say things that are kind. And that's not, that's not because you're doing something wrong, but it's because I'm really, I'm kind of exhausted and we're all intense right now. And I don't think I can handle that intensity. Something along those lines that just names the awkward because it's awkward. Mm. So name the awkward, like this is too intense and I'm afraid it's going to hurt our relationship. Um, so maybe we should talk about this later or, 
um, hey, you know what? We've been talking about this for a while. Do you mind if we change the subject? That's okay too. Like you've got some different options. And if you find yourself in there and you just can't quite get out, the best way to start to walk yourself out, if you can't use one of those that I just said, is to start asking questions. Tell me more about that. How, where did you find that information? Interesting. How did you get there? Just start asking questions and, and eventually people start to have to think about it a little bit more. Emotions start to come down and, and, and you can just start asking questions around those things. That's really, really helpful. And that is also how you have a really healthy conversation when you do feel like you want to get in it is I always suggest people asking three questions before they give their own opinion. And what are the, what are those three questions? They can be any kind of three questions, but oh, it's okay. based on what they said. So if somebody is like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an opinion that's not super controversial, you know, like I think <laughs> always oranges should be in the bottom of every stocking. There is, I mean, people are crazy if they don't put oranges in the bottom of their stocking. What are these people <laughs> thinking? We've done this for years. It's always worked. You know, those kind of opinions that come yeah. out. Oh, really? When's the first time you had an orange in your stocking? Oh, back in 1972. That's great. How did you feel about that orange in your stocking? Was it fun? Did you like it? You know, get them to tell a story. Just start asking them questions about that before you launch into your opinion. Oh, who else? Who else do you personally know? Or where else did you read about people putting oranges in their stockings? You know what? What's your, you know, that kind of thing (laughs) starts to, um, first of all, you have to listen harder which keeps mm-hmm. you from just kind of being in your fixed mindset. You might learn something. You might also start to really understand at a human level why they yes. want just in their stocking. Yes. Um, so that's the type I of think, questioning. I think that questioning too, and and tell me if I'm wrong, but it really de-escalates yes. a tense situation mm-hmm. or a high emotional situation. I always tell my husband to be like a little teeter-totter. <laughs> if emotions are high, logic is low. And so, you know, when people are very emotional, the the logic kind of goes out the door and, and now everybody's in a heightened situation. Mm-hmm. So if somebody can pull themselves from that situation and start to ask more questions, again, you'll learn something about that person that's sitting in front of you. Um, And or you will also learn about why they do what they do. Yeah. And then you you can respond with like, if they feel like back to the oranges in their stocking, I just, Mm -hmm. it made me feel so warm and fuzzy because somebody cared enough to put that in my stocking. I love feeling cared for. I mean, I get that. What are other ways you feel cared for around the holidays? You know, whatever. Like, yeah. reflect back to them what they're saying. Because now we've just connected that it wasn't actually about the orange. It's about feeling cared for. Cared for. All of the political opinions that you can ever come up with have some kind of human <laughs> component to them. Yes. That yes. you can connect over. You know, if it, I've done a lot of work recently in some local school districts and like, Everything to do with school districts is really heightened right now. Everybody, yes. is, it's because it involves yes. our kids. And when you can come back to, I really want what's best for our kids and community too. I do. I really want that. I want my kids to be yeah. happy and successful. Yeah. I want our community to be warm and knitted together. And they're like, yeah, I want that too. And like you start connecting over what you both want. Yeah. And then you can create different solutions. And it's the same at your holiday table. And yeah. Well, I just heard you say we. Yeah, again, yeah. (laughs) Again, we. So it doesn't necessarily have to have to be that the we is in your home. Mm -hmm. It can be in your workplace, or it can be, you know, outside of outside of Mm -hmm. your family and your work. It can be, you know, in your community. It's the we. Mm -hmm. So what is that we, you know? going to look like. I I really love that. Well, let's pause for the cause and and take a quick break. We have to give some shout outs to our sponsors. So we will be right back with Jen Whitmer and talking about conflict during the holidays. So stay tuned. If you walked around on pool decks and in the sand all summer, wearing those cute little sandals and going barefoot, then your feet may look like mine and they may need a little love and care. 
Income Sandbar Hand Care. This is a special foot file that will get rid of those calluses on those feet and leave them feeling smooth. So if you're crawling into bed at night and the heels of those feet are catching on the sheets, go order yours now. This metal file gently buffs away that dead skin. It removes just enough to really make a difference but not leave your feet sore. And it even comes with a salve to apply after you've gotten rid of that dead skin. I'm already thinking of who I'm getting this for Christmas. They sent us one to try and I fell in love immediately. And mine's even pink. How could you go wrong here? So ladies, head over to sandbarhandcare.com. That's sandbarhandcare.com. And use the code MOXIE15 and you'll get a discount on your order. And all those gifts that you pick up for the holidays. Now back to the show. All right. Well, we are back. We are back with Jen Whitmer, speaker, Enneagram leadership coach, joy bringer, and just a a lovely friend to the Midlife Moxie show. And we absolutely adore you. Every time you come, you uh you bring just the heaters for us and you know today is today is no different today is no different and so we were talking about conflict during the holidays and we we already touched on work and home um and i think that we're kind of diving into a little bit more of the extended family mm-hmm. you know when when you get a lot of people in a room um with different opinions on many different things it can go a lot of different ways. And, you know, we were talking about the buffers and uh, I, I I just remember when I was young, uh, my dad and his brothers and his kids and, you know, my dad's kids and my uncle's kids, they would, would all go and we would rotate houses. Mm-hmm. Okay. So every year we would have a different house. So it would either be at my dad's house or one of his two brothers' houses. And it was it was a tradition. We would always get together. We would have Santa come, mm-hmm. and um, at the end of the well, and they would play card games or dominoes. And then at the end of the night, everybody would be drinking, <laughs> and so yours truly would be passed out and hungover. <laughs> you know, my dress was in my <laughs> my pants or something. You know, it was just ter- terrible. Anyway, but it was always a good time. You know, it was always a good time, and I. I don't really remember there being any conflict because there was so much love flowing, mm. you know, but I know that's not the same for everybody. So help us to understand a little bit about the extended family yeah. and uh, how that can be ah, yeah. a little bit overwhelming for people. Well, every group of people that gets together has a particular culture. And Mm -hmm. every person has a personal culture and your personal Mm. culture has to do with who you are um, at your essence, uh, what your personality type is. So your Enneagram personality, what your values are, uh, all of those things make up your personal culture. And those are the things that make up a group of people's culture. And sometimes those cultures are complementary, and sometimes those cultures clash. And so Starting to recognize that is really, really helpful. Now, sometimes there's some unhealth in those cultures and there's some dysfunction. <laughs> I'm not denying that at all. Uh, but if we're just just What are you doom- saying? I what are you saying? <laughs> I'm saying your holiday looks similar to holiday. Uh, so, like, sometimes there's just who are you in the middle of this culture that feels different than you? Sometimes mm. that just recognizing that is enough. Like, oh... I'm the loud person in a quiet space. Okay, so that's okay. I can adjust that a little bit. That that type of conflict is an internal conflict that you can make some adjustments about. Um, and I think when you're talking about that extended family space, also knowing that you don't typically, you're not with each other all the time. This is not the family yes. that you see once a month or even more regularly than that. It's the family that you see once a year or once every other year. If you're that family, you don't have to trade holidays or like I have really good friends whose husband, the husband is British. The wife is from Missouri. So they would go back to England like every two years or every 18 months for a holiday. And they also had four kids and 
life changes a lot for kids in two right. years. They don't remember those people in the same right. way as the, the family who lives down the street. You know, like you just starting to think about that, that your kids are experiencing something different than you are. The other children are experiencing something different than you are. Um, all of that is, it's not the same culture. It's not the same relationship. Every time you get together, it changes a little bit. So kind of just thinking about that of like, oh, the change doesn't necessarily mean something is bad. It just means we're growing and changing. And that's one of the hardest things about extended family. And yes. so like I was describing this family that we all lived in the same town or pretty much the same town. We were together at least two or three times a month for somebody's birthday. And then we were together for a big holiday, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But as people grew up and moved away and our grandparents passed away, you know, those things change that extended family dynamic. And yeah. it's not that we don't grieve that. It's a bittersweet grieving because that's just the natural process of how families evolve. And so it's just going to be a little bit different. So negotiating that with somebody who's like blaming you, why don't you ever show up anymore? We didn't see you last <laughs> year. You're like, I oh, know I missed you too. Like just, I, I wish that could have happened too. That back to that empathy idea. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to defend yourself, but you know, like we also think it's really important that we see so-and-so's family and it was just the only time we could see them. So I'm so glad that we're here this year. What has it been like for you? Like, what are you doing? What's up for you? And like, asking genuine get to know you questions, but that are a little bit more personal. Hey, the last time you talked, you were getting ready to retire. Did you retire yet? Or the yeah. last time we talked, you were getting ready to decide on your university. Where did you go? You know, and like, what are you studying? And like, are you liking it? Those kinds of conversations help you bridge some of those difficulties. Once, and you also have to know what your family style is. Oh, talk about... Oh. Yeah. Talk about that. So, what does that mean? I mean, like, <laughs> every family's got a different style of communication. My dad and his brother <laughs> love each other by shouting at one another, like, oh, uh, and making yeah. fun of one another. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, you know, that's just part of it. There's usually some accusation of cheating at the cards. You know, yes. like there's, yeah, you know, there's, oh, there's yeah, all of that. Yeah, it sounds very familiar. So, mm -hmm. I know now as an adult that that's just actually how they they talk to each other. Like, and I'm not going to change yeah. that right now. It's not really my role to change that. I am not their coach or therapist. Um, and so <laughs> I don't have the responsibility to fix that. That's not mine to do. I right. also don't need to think that that's a problem I need to solve at, in the way that I like, okay, let's come down. Let's like, I don't need to solve it then either. Um, but if I were a quiet person, <laughs> like that can be really challenging because this feels so foreign to what my style is. So the first time my husband came to my extended family, we were dating. We'd been dating for a couple years, even though we'd grown up together, he hadn't come to like a big family gathering. And he was like, why is everyone fighting? And I was like, no one's fighting. What do you mean people are fighting? Well, because people were shouting about cards and arguing about yeah. who's going to open presents first. Like yeah. there was so much activity and loudness. His family wasn't like that. They were much, um, they were in the nice category. It mm. wasn't, they were quiet, but they were just nicer. Um, yeah. and yeah. so he thought people were fighting. And so just knowing that your styles can be different, there was a lot of deference in his family. Like, Oh, I can help you. Do you want some help? All that kind of stuff was happening, which was very different than my family, where everybody was just doing and talking all at the same time. Yes. There's not yes. a lot of deference, which is yeah. neither one of them are wrong or right. They were just different. And so knowing what your family style is that may be different than your spouse's style, like oh, you yeah. live with your spouse all the time. You all have created a new culture together. Now you're going backwards. That can send you, especially in a in Enneagram work that can send you down what we call the blind spot path. Um, and that stress, stress path feels very different. And like you revert, you just go back yes. into these old yes. coping mechanisms. So know what those are, know what those oh things gosh. are for you. Jen, you are so right. Can I just tell you how right you are? Cause my, and I think there's cultural differences too, sure. you know, I, I just really want to say this and it's not a, it's not an offense or anything like this. It's just like, you know, my husband, he's white and you know, I've got a whole bunch of different nationalities within, you know, my genetic makeup over here and we just do things a little different. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I remember watching my cousin and her husband, cause she had the same, you know, 
she had the same thing and he would come in and he'd be like, what is, what is going on? Like, I don't understand. And, you know, over time and, and just like my husband over time, it's been like, oh, this is just, this is just how we do things. But you're right about the blind spots mm. because we, at least for myself, I start to revert back to when I was younger mm -hmm. or when I was less evolved. Maybe I can say it yeah, that way. Totally. And, and I start to go into these uh, maybe habits or patterns that were just, you know, this is how we how we did things. Mm -hmm. And this is just how we, we talk to each other and, you know, and it could be not nice sometimes, but it was just out of love or at least we thought, <laughs> right. You know? And so I, I really love that you touch on that. You touched on that, that you, you might revert back and, you know, how do people, if they catch themselves, mm -hmm doing that right cuz extended family can bring out some totally some some stuff <laughs> right so how how do people come back to themselves yeah you know from from that because you know their spouse might look at them and say hey yo like this is not <laughs> what's happening here this is not what we have cultivated in our culture at mm -hmm. home yeah and i'm seeing something different mhm mm First of all, if you're the spouse, that's a really kind way to say that. Um, <laughs> if you are the spouse and you come up with like, what the hell's wrong with you? What are you doing? <laughs> not, not the best approach. Not, not kind. Just sharing that. <laughs> um, so, but starting to notice in yourself, because you, it feels different. Like all of a yes. sudden it feels a little bit, the best word that I have is misaligned. You know, yes. like, wait, something's off. I don't quite yes. know what it is. So when you're in that space, you're like, I feel off. Like I'm just saying things. So like for me, it will come out with a lot of words about things or uh, mm -hmm. like that don't really matter in some ways. It's a little bit hard for me to describe to somebody else, but there, there's this like compulsion to know and say the things that I know sometimes. Um, that's the blind spot path to five, because if I know, <laughs> then I feel safe. Yes. And um, so when you start to notice these things, take a moment. I, I promise you there's a bathroom wherever you are and just be like, I'm just going to just go take a moment. No one's going to miss you for two minutes. It's totally yeah. fine. Uh, and kind of gather yourself of like, who, what am I trying to achieve right now? A am I afraid that my belonging is at stake? Am I afraid that um, somebody's not going to respect me? What am I afraid of right now? That will, rather than why am I doing this? You know, like don't shame yourself about it, but what am I trying to get at is a different question. And like what am that. I trying to achieve or what am I afraid of? It is more specific and just wait for a moment until the answer comes to you. Like, yeah. don't rush through that. Um, again, there's a bathroom somewhere. There's almost always a place to go walk outside and you can take your leave. Again, in the middle of dinner, it's a little bit harder, but you can still like, hey, excuse me for a moment. I'll be back. You know, like yeah. you can go to the bathroom. Absolutely. It's fine. Absolutely. Um, again, just like we were talking about earlier, you don't have to overly disclose. You don't have to say, I'm feeling really misaligned and attacked right now. So <laughs> I'm going to go to the bathroom. Don't do that. <laughs> Like no need to overshare. <laughs> I'm just like, hey, I'm just, I'm gonna run to the restroom. I'll be right back. You know, if people need to even know that, um, my family would be like, where are you going? What's happening? Yeah. Where do you? So, <laughs> it needs to be some kind of announcement of leaving at the airport. Um, so, but you can go take a moment, like you said, to come back to yourself. Of like, what am I afraid of? What am I trying to achieve? What is the best of me that I can share? and assume the best in them, those kind right. of ways to kind of come back to that. But a really good idea before you go, if you've got some time in the myriad of holiday requirements is to spend some time, like what, um, what are the old coping mechanisms that tend to come up with my family that I don't like? Mm. Some of them are fine. Um, you know, the ribbing and the teasing is, it's usually fine between me and my cousins. Now it doesn't work really well with some of my kids. There's a couple of them that don't appreciate that. And so mm -hmm. we kind of have to navigate that. Um, but they are now old enough to be aware of that. So they can come on board as well. Like they can know themselves and, and advocate yeah. for themselves. And so if you can spend a little bit of time mm -hmm. and like, well, what are the things that happen with my family that I don't like 
And how do we get there? What am I trying to achieve? What am I afraid of? Uh, Then you can be really aware when you get there, like, oh, right, that's the signal. That's the, you know, that's, like, it. that's the thing that sends me like knowing your trigger, you can't always escape the trigger, but you can, you can handle the trigger. Um, and what are the things that I really love that my family does? How can I cultivate more of that? How can I bring, encourage us in that way? So like my family loves to play cards. How can we get there? Um, yeah. In a way that's maybe faster. And, yeah. <laughs> That kind of thing. So if you can spend a little time getting aware before you go, it makes the noticing in the moment a lot easier. You know, that is so true. Um, And amidst of all the holiday, you know, stuff, I I don't know if there is going to be time for people to do that. Um, Again, it probably doesn't take you all that long. You can sit in your garage when you come home from work and be like, okay, I'm just going to think about this for the next three minutes. Set yeah. a timer because you can, I promise you, you can spend 180 seconds and you'll probably come up with at least one thing. Absolutely. And that's more than you had before. Well, let me, let me ask you one last question. And you brought up blind spots. Um, and this is now kind of diving into the Enneagram. So we have a few, a few more minutes left here with our lovely friend, Jen. And uh, I wanted to go over this because, you know, People have been following you and they absolutely love it when we talk about the Enneagram. And so um, can we run down the numbers of like where their blind spots are? So, you know, let's go, go through the, the numbers and, or the, I say numbers, but types, let's go through the types Totally, and, um, and talk about the blind spots just in a, you know, Real fast. Brief, brief, brief summary. Absolutely. So um, if you're new to the Enneagram, it's a personality framework that helps us see why we think, act, and feel the way we do. And I was like, they're numbered one through nine. I'm starting with the eights. It will go in chronological order. It just starts with eight. So eights move to a blind spot of, of the low side of two. They start to look like an unhealthy two. So when they're really clingy and overly dependent, which feels very weird for an eight, um, or they're really inserting themselves in everybody else's business, usually without asking, um, or making themselves the one everybody needs, That it, those are some signals the eight's gone down that blind spot path. And so starting to create space for other people to tell you no thank you, which is also really hard for an eight. <laughs> mm. um, being vulnerable and saying that out loud it can be a way to get out of that blind spot path for an eight. And for a nine, um, they are often, they become really angry when people start to point out their faults or don't notice their achievements. And that's that blind spot path to the low side of three. And so they're wanting to kind of brag about their accomplishments in a way that um, is braggy and not like, guess what? I'm so excited I did. Like it's a little bit of a nuanced feeling that like kind of one upmanship comes out of the Mm. nine, which is very odd for a a typical nine that kind of is go with the flow. Um, Lots of busy work happening and not doing doing what needs to be done, but just lots of busy work. So the thing that can help a nine is really allow people's opinions that are helpful and after you, like good, after you're good to inform your choice. You still get to make the choice. You don't have to do what they said, but allow that to inform your choice discover what you really want to do. And that will help you be more calm rather than try to prove that you know what to do. Because sometimes that is from that nine's perspective, they don't really know. So then what they did do becomes so important. So know what you really want to do and feel like you own it. That can really help the nine. And then for ones on the blind spot path, they end up doing a lot of things that don't align with their values um, and they become more self-focused. Ones tend to be very outward focused, but they become uh, really excessive in that escaping to their inner critic and doing things that are more demanding and self-focused. And so for them, really trying to stop and find some joy in the little things and observe without extending judgment. And so, so wh- where do they go? They, oh, they go to the low side of four. Oh. Uh, oh, sorry. Lord. The low side of seven. So they go to the low side of seven. I said the right <laughs> okay. Um And so that they can like withhold some judgment and find the fun again, that can help them get out of that blind spot path. And then twos go to the low side of eight. And so when they're really, um, I'm sorry, 
Twos go to the low side of four. I'm going to twos go to the low side of four and they get tend to get really moody and um, kind of indulging themselves in unhealthy ways because they feel unappreciated. Um, they're doing all the work. And so it's like, well, I deserve this. And so rather than healthier ways to reward themselves, it tends to be um, wallowing and negative and, and, and that kind of thing. So for twos, taking care of their own needs first and knowing what is actually theirs to do is the way out of that blind spot path. And then threes go to that low side of nine. Uh, um, sorry. Threes go to the low side of six in the blind spot path. And so they start really venting or talking about how things could go wrong. They start to feel really anxious about, um, getting blamed for things. Well, it's not my fault. And if it didn't go right, you know, that kind of thing is that low side of six. And so, expressing their feelings without having to achieve anything. Like I can just express my feelings and that's enough. Uh, knowing that your worth isn't a tied to your achievement, reminding yourself of that is the way for threes to get out of that blind spot path. So for fours, they go to the low side of two. And so they are starting to, or, um, Oh my goodness. I keep saying this wrong. They go to the low side of one. And so they start to develop this inner critic in a way they become really impatient, overly nitpicky. Um, and they start just seeing all the things that are wrong. And so for fours, finding more objective and balanced ways to express their emotions and feelings, focusing on one task at a time can be a great way to pull them out of mm. that spot. And then sevens, or, or sorry, I skipped way ahead. Um, <laughs> fives, fives go to the low side of eight. And so they can become really confrontational. They can become really argumentative and debating facts in really arrogant ways or questioning competency of authority. That kind of thing can come out in fives. Wow. Wow. So, um, for somebody who's usually pretty reserved and quiet, that feels very mm -hmm. different. And so yeah. kind of connecting with your feelings and your body is a great way for fives to draw back into I'm safe and I, I can be for myself. And if you can pause and offer connections and wisdom, not just information, that can be another way once you've listened to somebody offering some things that you've learned rather than, well, everybody knows. Like, that's very different. And then for sixes, sixes go to that low side of nine and they kind of shut down. Um, they avoid, they just start to avoid all the conflict with often some passive aggressive behavior. Um, when people interrupt them, they get really frustrated at that point. So choosing compassion and seeing other people's frustration um, slowing their mind a little bit because often they just have disengaged and mm. it's like their mind is just racing in the background, but it's like a television behind them rather than engaging in one thing at a time and actually bringing it up and examining it and helping yourself know that you are safe and secure. That's a way for six to get out. And then for sevens, their blind spot path goes to the low side of five and they withdraw a lot. They um, start to get really pessimistic or cynical. That's a, a good way to know that a seven is um, on the blind spot path or they become really greedy about their own resources. Like, well, you can't have this because it's mine. Like that scarcity mindset comes up. So finding routine can be really helpful. Like we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. Keeps them moving forward. Um, knowing that you have enough that you have enough to share, kind of reminding yourself of that and um, accepting that sometimes it's hard. It's not always sunshine and rainbows and it's okay that it's hard. That can help you move back out of that blind spot path. Wow. Super fast. Jen, I know. Super <laughs> fast, but it was well worth it because you know what? We're going to be launching this before Christmas, mm -hmm. and a lot, a lot of our um, community is, you know, either a blended family or, you know, their family has shifted because of parents aging yeah. um, and tradition shifting, mm -hmm. uh, or kids, you know, going off and meeting significant others, mm -hmm. and you know, having to navigate through new. Um, 
new interests, Mm -hmm. new cultures. You know, I I loved where you're talking about your personal culture and then your people's culture, you know, they're going to have to learn those things. And so, um, you know, when we talk to you, Jen, it's always uh, just a pleasure because we learn and we grow. (laughs) And uh, I, I love the tools that you have equipped us with. Um, so where can our community find you? You know, if they want to, if they just want to get down and dirty and they're just like, Hey, <laughs> I need her in my life. What, where can they find you? Jen? Yeah. Well, the best ways to find me is always on my website, which is jenwhitmer.com. And there's lots of free resources at jenwhitmer.com slash freebies. And you can always book a 15 minute call with me. It's called the spark call. And we can spend 15 minutes kind of figuring out where you're stuck Sometimes that clarity is what you need. And I love doing those. They're really fun. It's always shocking how much we can figure out in 15 minutes on, an, on a phone call. And uh, so I'm always offering those. And those are always available for you as well. And you can come say hi. I love people when they come say hi on Instagram and LinkedIn. That's the places I play the most. And uh, okay. so, yeah, I'd love to see you. Awesome. Well, Jen, you know, we hope that you have an amazing holiday and, um, that you guys, uh, if you're traveling, that it is <laughs> that it is a uh, peaceful journey. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and um, we just really appreciate you. We love having you here, and you know we'll we'll be seeing you probably in the new year with some more you know interesting things as <laughs> our Moxie partner here. So you know, um, again, thank you again for coming. And until next time, go and get your Moxie on. Bye.